<laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Sound works. Gabe, speak for me, please. I am speaking for you in a tone and a language that you might comprehend. Okay. I mean, maybe. I don't know. On a good day. On a good day. That's that's that's. I mean, we've both been that level of plastered before, so. That's true. That is a good point. All right. Uh, I looks and appears that we are firing on all cylinders. No kind of dropping frames nonsense. So that's good. And uh, you know. What, why is Fit for an Autopsy on here? Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Because they dropped an album or something like that. I'm not sure. Well, are you sure it wasn't for your like your, your show? Because we haven't done a podcast in that amount of time. <laughs> uh, oh, could that could have been it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Who? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Gabe. You know what? I'm gonna actually insert uh, the intro here. So hold wow, on. We're gonna... doing that again. How many episodes has it been? It's been a while. Uh, doesn't sound particularly great still. I don't know what's causing that, but we'll fucking figure it out on, on that greater end. Oh, I Tell your guy who mixed it and mastered it to fix it. I can't listen to it. Let <laughs> uh, me staple these together. Um, all right. Let me make sure we're good on that front. All right, Gabe. All right, again, give it like... 20 seconds whatever I'll, you know the deal uh because you know you're not going to hear it, it yeah you're not going to hear it but i'm going to hear it, all that good stuff are you ready so now you're not ready i am now What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Second City Kids podcast, episode number 177. One, seven, seven. And it was we, also uh, oh. the judge's scorecard for um, my face playing a bit. Anyway. Okay, true. Uh, <clears throat> and we <Excuse> are <laughs> back uh, on, the south, on the south side of Chicago, Illinois. And I know it's been a while. You guys get the fucking point here. You know, we got a lot of shit going on. I'm a dad. He's got like a bazillion different enterprises going on, which I'm sure he'll talk about. Maybe. I don't know. I have uh, exactly zero enterprises. Just too many hobbies. Well, what's isn't one of them kind of sort of becoming an enterprise? We'll talk about that. But we are back. So we have a lot of stuff to talk about, uh, you know, from the Batman to a couple album releases to a, a, a band ending. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we'll talk about that as we go along. We're going to play it by ear. We're going to talk about the bats. Uh, we'll see how much time passes. And then, uh, if we have some room and some time, we'll, we'll talk about some more shit. So, but predominantly this will be a very heavy, the Batman centric podcast from what I had imagined. And, uh, I just want to kind of talk about it because I think fair to say, at least for my end, it is one of the more higher anticipated movies of this year. And, uh, I wanted to talk about it. So, um, yeah, but before we get into that, we have a whole thing that we go for or go over first. And Gabe, it's been a while. Um, how you doing, man? Good, 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 good. Um, Philly was good to me for okay. the most part. Uh, got back. Now we back on the you know the grindstone, so so to speak. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, yeah, like I said, it, it has been a while. I'm actually going to be uh, soon. 
before baseball season starts, which is in about a week. I will be using this feed for my sports show, which I will be doing as well. Um, so it's going to be kind of a dual podcast, dual feed kind of a thing for the Second City Kids, as well as the sports thing, which I have. You going to get uh, Adam back on here? I don't know yet. Uh, it is part of the plan, uh, but, you know, he's a busy guy and uh, can kind of be more difficult to wrangle. Than, more difficult than you to wrangle to sit in front of a computer and talk with me. So, Oh, man, I don't think I was that difficult, but okay. You know the deal. But, yeah, we are back. So, uh, yeah, same old shit with me, man, uh, grinding away at work, doing uh, doing God's work, having a good time, actually. It's one of the first times legitimately uh, that I'm having a good time working for a company because the dudes are cool and everybody's cool. Because usually, and you know how this is, Gabe, if you're having a good time, it's usually because of the people that are there. Right. Not because, uh, of the work. not because of the work. I'm having kind of fun doing both. So it's a nice change of pace for me. So, yeah. Uh, but like I said, very heavy, the Batman centric podcast coming up right now. And uh, spoilers, I'm assuming. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I kind of want to get get some thoughts out there so if you haven't seen the bats i guess go and watch that if that's your thing otherwise you've been warned yeah you have been warned a lot of stuff to talk about so where do you want to start man i I was literally just about to ask you i think we should start off with uh, our general thoughts on the movie um you know we kind of know batman's your thing and i know what your stance is on this one but Mm -hmm. who do you want to go first uh i'll let you go first oh boy okay (laughs) this is gonna be a really awkward podcast um oh no So the Batman with Robert Patterson, Pattinson, Pattinson, whatever Pattinson. the bear, Oswald Pattinson, whatever you want to call him. Sure. Um, the worst Batman since pre Tim Burton. Wow. Okay. Um, the movie was inexcusable. It was, uh, ha ha. I'm just yeah, kidding. Okay. Actually, the movie was pretty solid. Okay. I was going to say, I'm like, <laughs> wow. I'm like, really? <laughs> um, so, so here's my thing. I actually had, quite a blast in theaters and i literally i went with nikki and his friend and we literally had this conversation you and i had this conversation on the way to jackass that Mm -hmm. it seems like people's attention spans are getting shorter but movies are getting longer maybe it makes sense Uh, yeah that was just right around the three hour mark right it's like two hours and 56 minutes or something like that yeah so go pee yeah Uh, definitely definitely go pee twice if you can beforehand Mm -hmm. um that being said, man, um, it was a really solid movie. Um, you know, I kind of, I don't want to say said my piece, but I kind of predicted it beforehand, and I said that if this movie blows, it's not going to be because of the acting. It's going to be mm-hmm. because of the writing and directing. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to bring that up again because, well, one, the movie doesn't blow. And mm-hmm. then two, um, there's been a sudden shift in the um, sort of cultural um, acceptance of who and what is Batman, mm-hmm. right? Because now suddenly it's like, well, shit, like I couldn't imagine anybody else doing Batman except Robert Pattinson, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I kind of wanted to start off by saying this. The movie was pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's my favorite Batman yet. Um, and I I want to say yes, but I also feel like that's my recency bias, right? It was the most okay. recent Batman I delved into, and especially the whole movie-going experience. I feel like that is all super important. Uh, mm-hmm. The question will come out when you know it comes out on blu-ray dvd the whole mm-hmm. nine yards and see how many times are you going to re-watch this film when it's sitting on your shelf and you got a spare three hours right true um so that being said i think this movie did a lot of things well i think they really really made gotham its own personality in this yep. movie which i fucking love make the setting its own personality not enough movies do that mm-hmm. um it wasn't like uh the dark knight trilogy where it was 
Chicago and like Philly, New York East Coast vibes. It wasn't just a mishmash of that. Gotham yeah. felt incredibly unique, yeah. and uh, all the practical effects were done beautifully. Uh, all of the actors put out, and um, I saw a tweet the other day. I think I sent it over to you where I was like, "I bet Bo- Gotham's hardcore scene is absolutely fucking insane." And I was just like, "Yeah, it has that vibe to it." Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I vibed with the movie. I got a couple of really hot takes, but I'll save those for for a little bit down the line. Okay. Um, I think everybody put out. I think everybody showed out. Um, and that being said, like. The movie was pretty gritty, and it was still PG-13. So, you know, for everyone out there who's like, oh, well, I'm not watching it unless it's rated R, and there's, you know, buckets of blood, like, no, dude, I think they got their point across with very yeah. minimal, like, gore. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, say there wasn't any violence. There definitely was. Mm-hmm. But there was, like, minimal blood and guts, and it still somehow managed to work because I promise you, if this thing was rated r i would have done buckets of blood personally but just goes to show that you can still get gritty down to earth corrupted realism sort of without going overboard on the horror thriller um you know sort of the shit that we're used to the murdery Mm -hmm. vibes but overall i really like the movie i am debating on whether or not to go see it a second time and you know how i am about theaters and movies and so i think that's a pretty good sign yeah for sure um my opinion so i actually did see it twice uh i saw it once with my wife obviously the uh, i had the kind of the imax experience with it you had an imax experience with it as well right oh yeah yeah i had the imax experience with my wife uh like kind of the pre early showing for it uh did that miss the fuck missed out on the goddamn cow so i'm a little upset because i missed out on the fucking popcorn cow bumps me out but it is what it is and then i saw it again in imax again with with nikki so nikki saw it twice too uh yeah so um I, i got some opinions on it and um if you've talked to me in person uh i've spoken very glowingly about this film um there are several things that i appreciate about it uh i will kind of agree with you is that as far as nailing the personality of gotham uh this is like the first real movie to do it you you nailed it uh, hit the nail on the head when it comes to um the dark knight trilogy it's either chicago or it's pittsburgh right it's it's one of those two things it's kind of very obvious and Outside of the Batman Begins, where it kind of had the narrows, which granted the narrows were very CGI in the Batman Begins, um, you know, there's really and there's really nothing that defines it as anything other than Chicago or Pittsburgh, right? Uh, you know, and, and let me touch on that really quick. Mm-hmm. It's and I I really do enjoy the Dark Knights, and I know yes, you do as well, absolutely. But it is absolutely like. Um, you know, reality shattering. It takes you out of the movie when you mm. see shots and you're like, oh, yeah, that's Lake Street. That's literally right by the bottom. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that and like, uh, oh, that's very obviously Lower Wacker Drive and, you know, what I mean, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I would I would totally agree with you on that. This this the bat, this Batman was shot here as well, a decent portion of it. And there are things that. I do. I did recognize, but unless you're straight up unless from you're looking for it or you're looking for it or you're straight up from Chicago, you're not going to recognize those things. Right. Uh, like the Thompson Center playing the, like the, the, the Gotham Arena thing or the Gotham Stadium thing. Like the, you're not going to know that unless you're from here. You know, um, th- what I do want to talk about is. The acting. Uh, so you and I mentioned prior to the film coming out is that we had as far as casting Man, they, they they did a great job with it. My only contention, because I didn't see any of his movies prior to this, was Robert Pattinson as Batman. Um, this is my favorite rendition of 
the Batman. Now, you can talk about uh, maybe he doesn't have the gravitas to be a Bruce Wayne. I can understand that criticism. Uh, I would usually counter that with, well, he's not complete yet. You know, he hasn't figured out how to balance um, those things. And, and you know what? Here, here's the second thing, because I've seen a lot of people complain about, oh, well, this Bruce Wayne isn't like the playboy millionaire mm-hmm. philanthropist, right? And it's like, well... I'm sorry, was this movie titled Bruce Wayne or was this movie titled Batman? That, you know what I mean? That's, that's a and big I, thing too, yeah. And and my whole thing about that, because, I, you know, it's a genuine complaint and it, that fantasy has been catered toward probably all the way up until this point, as mm-hmm. far as I know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, dude, I get that, but you see how shitty and corrupt and slimy the city is. Like, yes. what do you think the million and billionaires are going to be like? You yeah. know what I mean? And I'm... I'm not saying that, oh, Bruce Wayne is also corrupt, but the movie definitely hints at that. Yeah. And if you tell me that there's some Gerard Way-looking motherfucker <laughs> orphan who has locked himself up in his tower, and you were you asked me to guess which superhero it was out of all of the universes, out of all the compendiums, mm-hmm. my first guess is always going to be Batman. Correct. I, I, I 100% agree with that. And with that being said, I mean, it's not like the millionaires and the billionaires of Gotham are among the people. You know what I mean? Because like you said, th- this is the most grimy, dirty Gotham has been uh, that we've gotten on a, on a big screen. And if I were Bruce yeah. Wayne, I wouldn't want to fucking hang out in the streets any- either. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, man. I would lock myself away in a tower, and especially if the city claimed by parents. Like, I'm not fucking hanging out amongst people because what? Uh, you know, my paranoia is like, well, the same thing's going to happen to me. I'm going to fucking go to a movie and I'm going to get shot in the fucking alley. I wouldn't want to hang yeah. out. Um, you know, with, with, with the people either. Um, with that being said, I greatly appreciate that we did not get another, well, this is how he became, or this is why he became Batman. We know why he became Batman. All right. We don't have to have another Wayne's getting slayed. He's gotten slayed. They have gotten slayed as, as often as uh, uncle Ben has, and we don't need it. I'm not talking about the fucking rice either. So I was going to say, leave Ben and leave the Wayne's out of the <laughs> cinematic universes yeah. from now on, man. They, and Aunt May at this point too. Yeah. They've, they've been shot and killed and mutilated enough times that we don't need to see it on screen anymore. Uh, this movie is respects the general populace and be like you know what we know you know we're not gonna have to go over this again and yes there is reference to his, his parents murder a couple obviously a couple of times but we didn't have to see it which is nice well, well hang on actually it was more than just a reference it tied into a major plot point yeah which i think is better than just a throwaway line like oh you know alfred's saying oh i know your parents were murdered but i still love you i'm your real dad good. but like But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like it very, very easily could have been exactly that, Mm -hmm. you know, like a quick flashback, a quick little throwaway line. But Mm -hmm. no, the writers and directors brought it full circle and integrated the part we did not see on screen Mm -hmm. as a major part of the story. So thank you for not treating the audience as totally tone deaf and stupid. Absolutely. I agree with that. Now, another thing that I thought was kind of different was Andy Serkis' Alfred. So uh, I love Michael Caine. I think his performance as uh, Alfred and the Dark Knight trilogy was good. I think it was great. Uh, But really, not until the the very end, the last movie of that set, uh, did we see him regret allowing Bruce to go down this path, right? Are are basically admitting his failure as a caretaker to allowing Bruce to become what he became, right? Uh, and in this one, it's very obvious that Andy Serkis doesn't quite approve of uh, Bruce's nighttime activities, and I'm not talking about the women he dates. Um, so 
I appreciate that. And he's like, man, I, I'm doing the best I can. And, you know, I, I, maybe I should, I could teach you how to fight. And maybe I, I did. And maybe this is not the best course of action, but I'm not going to abandon you in this endeavor. Right. And, um, which I appreciate. Um, Andy circus as alpha was great. I will say though, probably my biggest complaint, not enough of him in this film. Um, I I'm still in the Michael Caine camp, man. I don't really. think, I mean, I, I think that was the perfect casting and I totally see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. But, um, one, you're absolutely right. We did it. Absolutely need more Michael or Andy circus on mm-hmm. screen. Um, but I just, I don't know, man. I feel like it, it should have been a little bit more over the top for me but okay. that being said not a bad choice still mm-hmm. appreciated the actor absolutely yeah uh just a couple of, maybe a couple more scenes here and there to kind of establish that you know i know bruce is kind of like well i'm too fucking gangster to and hardened to care about anybody or myself and you know they kind of had him have that realization i do care about alfred as well and i care about his well-being and i am angry uh that he got pulled into this nonsense right uh so i'm glad that they they actually established it near the end, but again, not enough. Uh, we're just gonna, I'm just going to kind of move along the line of, of the acting and what a great job they did. Let's talk about Colin Farrell real quick. Number one, unfucking recognizable, <laughs> right? If you, my, my wife did not know Colin Farrell was in this movie, and so she's like, "Who is that?" I'm like, "It's Colin Farrell." She's like, "No fucking way." I'm like, "Yes, 100. percent It is Colin Farrell." Um, Hopefully they get a nod for for like makeup for the Oscars next year because wow, you cannot tell that it's him and not just the makeup and how he looked, but his performance. The accent was fucking perfect, man. He nailed that. Um, and the Iceberg Lounge, which you know it was very much a character in this movie as well. We went there probably what five six times in the movie. We went back and forth Give to or the, take between the characters. Yeah, um, you know you had a situation where Bruce went there as Bruce Wayne as Batman and then as the kind of this in between. Uh, you know, where he went there and showed up. Um, so I appreciate Colin, Colin Farrell. I think he did a, a great job with his character. I think you can tell the ambition of the character and uh, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing how he ties in moving forward uh, with the franchise. Cause it is going to be a set. That is the rumor uh, that they're going to do three, a set of three I for this one. Six. I don't know about all that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't know about six. I think that's a little bit too much. I think you're biting off more than you can chew by committing to six. So, yeah, they're very, very cool. He did a great job. Uh, and he was funny. He kind of brought some uh, humor. You know, There hum- was a lot of jokes that if you did not pay attention, they would have gone right over your head. Like at the very end after the drug bust where Zoe Kravitz was looking for, uh, I can't remember what she was looking for, but she ended up finding the body of her, yeah, 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 her friend. Yeah. Um, and after that immaculate car chase scene. Holy oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. So good. Yeah. Um, they had him tied up by the legs and he waddled around like a fucking penguin. <laughs> like I lost my shit during that. Yeah. Time. He's like, I don't forget. About, I'm, I'm, you guys forget. I'm still here. <laughs> you know? Uh, and yeah, he, he was, he was very good. And when I'm looking forward to keeping him involved in kind of the, the chaos of Gotham as we move forward into the next couple of them. So I'm very, very good. Uh, Jeffrey Wright, Jim Gordon. Phenomenal. Wow. Great. Great fucking casting. Uh, I like, um, kind of his approach to it, um, kind of being more of a quiet, um, kind of detective. And really, you see them actually working together detecting shit, which, yep. which I appreciate. Um, you know, cause 
oftentimes, and I, I, I really don't want to keep doing this, but it's you, you know, it's the same fucking character. I don't want to compare them to the Nolan films, but you kind of have to. Um, what I liked about it is, like I said, they, they were working together trying to figure this out. When in the Nolan films, it was Batman presenting information to him and him being like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it's a different dynamic, yeah. right? Batman was in cahoots with the cops, and then he was in cahoots against the cops. Yeah. And in there, it was kind of like, Gordon, where are you getting all this information from? It's like, yeah. uh, I don't know. I'm just yeah. really smart. Bro. Oh, yeah, I figured it out. Duh. You, you didn't figure it out? Man, you should really fucking become a better cop. Um, but, yeah, I appreciate them actually showing... Batman go to crime scenes and detect shit. I appreciate that. And he's not a perfect detective in this, which is also great. You know, he did miss some key things uh, throughout the film, some key clues. And basically like the whole final act where Riddler's like, wait, you didn't fucking, you didn't figure it out. You're not as smart as I thought you were. I appreciate that. Cause he's still learning. He's not perfect. He is not infallible. Uh, and he's on his second year of doing this, you know? And, um, and I like the fact that two years in, the Batman hasn't had the impact that he thought he would have, right? Again, I don't want to do it, but you have to. Um, comparing it to the Nolan films, a year after the events of uh, The Batman Begins, he's basically brought the mob down to his knees. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where they're so desperate to have to hire the Joker, which is what they did in The Dark Knight, right? So... And this one, he's like, I'm still beating the shit out of low level, or low level criminals here. And it doesn't really seem to be making an impact in the overall scheme of things, um, which is also awesome. I appreciate that because um, there is going to be a lot of growing pains when it comes to that. So so I, I kind of want to hark on two two elements that you've kind of lightly touched on, mm -hmm. but like haven't you know seen the forest for the trees, not of your own accord. But mm -hmm. um, first of all, the thing you mentioned where it's like, don't give us another how they died scene yeah. right mm -hmm. and then in addition to that you're absolutely right we're seeing the early years of the bats of gordon of you know i don't want to say falcone and penguin but sort of like their middle years of meddling with gotham yeah. right but we are still seeing where bruce is starting to make a difference in the city mm -hmm. and that in of itself makes for a much better origin story than mm -hmm. just copying and pasting panel for panel what the comics did right mm -hmm. we have over 70 80 years now of like cultural exposure and especially like you know this is the the platinum age of comics where uh -huh. everybody who's even remotely ever set near a theater has seen a marvel or dc movie yes. right mm -hmm. and if you want to talk about a good origin story this is the new standard yes. where it makes assumptions good assumptions as to what the audience already knows yes Tilly uses that information in a meaningful way mm -hmm. and establishes our characters importance and their dynamics in the world and you're absolutely right him fighting low-level crooks that don't mean shit in the grand scheme of the entire drug ring in the grand scheme of the entire corrupted world of gotham city mm -hmm. that is exactly what we fucking needed to see mm -hmm. here I agree. Okay, And then secondly, uh, DC has proven a very big point with this movie, right? DC has proven that you can indeed, in fact, very <laughs> much so juggle multiple villains yes. in a movie, make them all super relevant, super important, and don't shaft anyone. Mm -hmm. The only quote-unquote form of shafting 
a villain in this movie was literally the audience going, damn, I hope they come back or damn, I hope they get more spotlight in mm-hmm. the next one. That's what you want. You don't want plot holes. You don't want loose ends. Mm-hmm. You want the audience going, ah, oh, damn, I hope they come back. Yes, I, I, I agree with that. Totally. Um, because there's a lot there's a lot of moving parts to this movie plot wise. Right. And you would think. Uh, that a lot of it would get lost and there would be a lot of loose ends when in reality they do a great job of tightening up whatever loose ends you think may be hanging out there and leaving a little bit out there for people to be like exactly what you said, which is I hope that this this character gets more to do in the next film. The Penguin and the Catwoman are like the the, the big characters for me when it comes to that. Um, and I'm very curious because Jim Gordon is not the chief police yet. Batman is not Batman quite yet. Matter of fact, they call him vengeance more in this movie than they call him Batman, which I think yeah. is kind of, kind of a nice change of pace. And interesting. Can I, can I touch a little bit on that vengeance aspect too? Sure. So do you remember when, um, Batman begins came out mm-hmm. and then everybody and their mamas, college humor, your friends, <laughs> my friends, the weird, quirky English teacher, they were all doing the Batman voice. Yes. There is <laughs> a lot of, let's face it here, cringiness in this movie. But hang on, let me finish. Mm-hmm. It is done in such a manner that it is walking that fine line between serious over-the-topness mm-hmm. and cringy self-realization over-the-topness mm-hmm. to this like literal like balance okay that is simultaneously the coolest fucking thing ever and that you can take out of context Mm -hmm. and you can make those jokes again Mm -hmm. okay this movie like especially the nirvana song especially the vengeance thing like it does it well Mm -hmm. it does it well don't get me wrong i'm not like oh man that was so cringy that was so bad no i enjoyed it that's the bad part yeah right i mean when you shouldn't be, when if you take these moments out of context, when the fucking Blu-ray release gets dropped, wait for all the memes to come out. I promise. Yeah, you. no, for There'll sure. Be hundreds yeah. warming the meme market. But <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, damn, if they inched in either direction, it would have been a moment that you look back and you go, the cinema sense would be bing, bing. You know, right? like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. But it is done so well. Yes, absolutely. So, um, now it's funny because we were about you know maybe twenty minutes into this review and we haven't really talked about the star villain of of this film. So um, Paul Dano Riddler, I think you and I were both very confident uh, that he could bring a level of grit and grime uh, to this character that I think a lot of the general populace will kind of see as more of a cheesy nineteen sixties Batman kind of villain where he talks in riddles and. You know, he doesn't really do a whole lot of violent things in the light action adaptations that we've gotten so far. I mean, look at the fucking Jim Carrey Batman Forever situation, right? Very campy, very kind of silly. That's Jim Carrey. You know, that's what he does. I'm not mad at him for it. He took he made a creative choice, right? Uh, In this particular, he is more akin to the Zodiac Killer. He is more akin to... uh, the killer from seven than he is to anything. Oh my God. You have seen so far started on how this literally first thing I said, (laughs) as soon as we walked out was, wow, that was like Batman meets seven. Yeah. It basically is what it was. Right. Um, it's very obvious that that was a, um, you know, an inspiration, 
Um, there's a lot of uh, noir detective films that this takes from. It takes from Chinatown. It takes from the Zo- uh, from Zodiac. It takes from Seven. It takes a lot of that, and it kind of it, it, it pays respect to its inspirations without blatantly ripping it off, right? So um, yeah, I love. Love, love, love the creative decisions they've made with Paul Dano, the Riddler, in in this movie. Uh, I love so, the fact that he's very practical in his approach. Go ahead. Uh, l- let me say this: um, he is not my favorite Riddler. The Gotham Riddler is my favorite, okay. but that has multiple seasons, and the episodes are an hour long. So, mm-hmm. of course, he's going to have more exposition. Of course, he's going to have more schemes and screen time and all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That being said, you are absolutely right. They. And, and this is coming from someone who likes the campiness of the Riddler, right? Okay, sure. They really, really leaned into, like, the psychology of, like, a serial murderer. Mm-hmm. Like, if you put Paul Dano in his Riddler outfit on, like, JCS, like, that channel on YouTube, like, um, you know, the criminal psychology one where he yeah, interviews yeah. all the crazies, right? Yeah. Um, you, you would not be able to distinguish yeah. what's fact from fiction. Mm-hmm. and that's one of those things that I think they pulled off really well. Now that that statement is going to bite me in the ass when I give you my really, really hot takes about where these movies should go. Okay. But I will wholeheartedly accept and take that. Okay. But a couple of things. Yes. Casting was phenomenal. The Riddler himself was really good and he leveraged a couple of really good things like, you know, raising an army from Mm -hmm. what I'm assuming was YouTube or TikTok, whatever it may be. Right. Some sort of video sharing platform. Um, Sort of, and uh, like a peek inside of like the incel community. I know that's mm-hmm. what he wasn't per se, but like that's kind of what this weirdness felt like yeah. to an extent, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be in this like weird thread or community, whatever the fuck it may be, right? Like yes. it almost felt wrong taking a peek into his world. Yes, for sure. It's a it's a it's a dark part of society that feels like the rich. Uh, and the powerful have been shitting on the little guy, which they have. And I don't want to say you understand why people are angry, but you understand why this group of people are angry because you see why B precedes a absolutely. And granted, you may not agree with their opinion, but you're like, ah, I can't really blame them. You know, uh, they've been taken advantage of by the powerful and the corrupt in this city. And you understand that, you know, that there's consequences eventually that, come to roost when it comes to, you know, the powerful and the corrupt taking advantage of this little guy, essentially. And I, I love Paul Dano in this. I love his voice. The voice was, just, and it, the fact that it would come out of nowhere oftentimes kind of leaves this um, kind of schizophrenic kind of a vibe uh, to it where he will get very intense and angry and start screaming. Uh, and I, I love that uh, about this character, about this rendition of the Joker or the Joker. <laughs> Freudian slip, uh, the Riddler. And um, I love it. I, I think he did a great, great job with it. I love how without the costume, he's this very unassuming, unintimidating uh, version of himself, but mirrors Batman in a lot of ways that when he puts the costume on, he kind of becomes this different kind of being, He can, this different type of uh, reality that he creates for himself, where he can be this guy who does these horrible things. And, uh, uh do you know what we call that in literature, my friend? What do you call that in literature? We call that a foil character. Okay, absolutely, absolutely. And in a lot of ways, he's a reflection of Batman, just kind of this warped, a person who has this warped kind of sense of reality, how he will envision his version of the Batman. Because at the end of the day, he thought 
and that's which I thought it was kind of an interesting play. He thought him and Batman were on the same side. He didn't realize that Batman was trying to stop him. He just thought, well, I don't have, I can't do what he can do. I'm not this brooding, this brooding man or this violent force of nature that Bruce Wayne, the Batman is. Uh, I'm the brains. Yes. And you're the muscle. Exactly. I, I, we are working together to stop the corruption and the violence in the city without really realizing or ironically not realizing that, dude, you are doing things that are worse than a lot of the corrupt and violent do in this city. And he doesn't even have that realization. So I think that's it's kind of interesting. I love how in the scene where he is in Arkham Asylum and they have that conversation face to face for the first time, how he kind of lets it hang Bruce Wayne. Right. And in that moment, Bruce is like, fuck, he knows who I am. Right. Shit. He realizes who I am. He knows that Bruce Wayne is the Batman. What the fuck am I going to do? And he says, is the one person that we couldn't get. And it's like, oh, he is not as smart as he thinks he is too. Right. So kind of that, that conversation, how it was laid out, it makes you think, ah, shit, he knows, right. He actually does it, which I think is kind of an interesting way of doing it. And once Batman comes to the realization, oh shit, he doesn't know who I am. Suddenly he has the confidence to continue to, to speak to him. Right. Uh, Cause during that whole thing where he's going on his rant about Bruce Wayne, he's like, uh, he's dead quiet. Doesn't say nothing. Right. Just examining the room, realizing that cameras are on. And he's like, shit, 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 shit. And then he's like, yeah, we, could, we didn't get him. He's like, OK, sweet. Now I could challenge his thought process and have a conversation with him and have the confidence that he does not know Bruce Wayne is Batman, which I loved. A lot of things are done in this movie with the silence. Right. And you would think a movie with the big bombastic score that it has, um, you know, will have kind of lean on that. And with the Nirvana song that, um, you know, that was on all over the, the trailers and the marketing for this film, you think they would and love the it. Ending. Yeah, and the ending and the, and the intro and all that stuff. You would think that it would rely very heavily on it. And it didn't. It did a great job with silence and knowing when to use it and knowing when Batman's wheels are turning as a detective. I love that. All right. So the Riddler does violent shit in this movie. Right. And like you said, you would think. Uh, well, the synopsis of the story that there will be this over the top violence and yes, the violence and it does make you uncomfortable, but it's not buckets and buckets of blood like you mentioned. Right. Uh, they do a great job with uh, with the what's the word I'm looking for with the idea of violence that was committed. Not what you don't see. Yeah, exactly. What you don't see. The, the whole thumb drive thing had me fucking dying. I thought it was hilarious. Um, but. Just, you know, hey, he cut off his thumb and shit like that. Like, it, it did a great job overall with all of that. The plot is very well paced. I know I did see some complaints that in the middle where the Riddler's not involved, he gets a little slow, but it's part of the story, right? And people are saying, ah, it's too long. Yeah, but I didn't really feel like anything in the movie was unnecessary, you know? Yeah, that was a big point of mine where I felt the length of the movie. I don't know about yourself, yeah. but. Everything that was in there, all of it was killer, no filler. Yes, absolutely. And that's the thing that me and Adriana talked about because, like, a lot of people were, I did see some reviews that said kind of the opposite. Well, you don't feel a minute of the three hour, 
I'm like, ah, you know, you feel it. <laughs> maybe because we're getting older. I don't know. Um, maybe if I was 17 and watched this in the theater, it would have flown right by. I don't know. But no, you- man, do you want to know why you feel it? Why? Movies are created in ways. It's like a horror, right? Mm-hmm. You create tension, you build up to it, and then you do the scare or you don't, and you release for a little bit. Yeah. This movie is not a horror movie, but this movie also did not have a release. It yeah. did not have a handbrake. It kept you on a steady, like, 60% anxiety level all the way through. <laughs> yeah. And you might not feel it 10 minutes in. You might not feel it an mm-hmm. hour and a half in, but you're going to feel it by the time it lets go. Definitely, definitely. And I just like the fact that, um, you know, kind of by the end of this movie, uh, when all the pieces of the puzzle are on the table, Batman starts to come to the realization of what he should be, right? He's been the symbol of vengeance, right? And when Batman ultimately foils the quote-unquote army of Riddler's plan, and that particular man who he's beating the shit out of that Gordon has to stop, uh, you know, once he comes, like, he says, I am vengeance. That one random uh, faceless person says, I am vengeance. Batman's like, ah, I can't be that. got a new catchphrase. Yeah. Oh, that. And I can't be that. Because me being vengeance has inspired this, right? Has inspired these people to take matters into their own hands and to try to do what I do, right? But I'm not wearing hockey pads, right? That type of thing. Um, but he's like, I got to be hope. I have to be light. It's very symbolic when after the flood kind of runs its course and Bruce is pulling those people out and leading them out of the darkness that he realizes that's what I have to be. I have to be the light of Gotham to pull people out of the darkness and move them forward to help them heal and become more. Because when he has the conversation with the to be mayor, she's like, well, I don't by my account. You're not really doing anything. Batman, Bruce Batman doesn't realize that that part is equally as important as what he's doing on the streets at night. And he's starting to realize I have to be more than just a vigilante who beats the tar out of people at night, which he does a great job of beating the piss out of people. Right. Um, and he needs to be more than just that. Um, and he's realizing it. I need to be hope. I need to be the light of Gotham. So in the next movie, which there will be a next one, they've already talked about it. Uh, hopefully he'll have a better grip of that. Right. Maybe it won't be as dark and dingy. Maybe Gotham won't be as dark and dingy because he's starting to realize the course of action that he has to take to help save Gotham at the end of the day. Because he even said, I don't know what I'm doing is helping, but I have to try. Maybe he'll have better success knowing the path he has to take. And um, as a character, I love the arc. I really do, because he comes off as very angry, very pissed off and. Uh, he takes it out on the people of Gotham or the criminals of Gotham at the lower levels, not knowing that the problem doesn't exist with just the everyday villain. The problem exists at the core of Gotham. The fact that it is very corrupt and broken and it needs to be fixed. Um, but it will get worse before it gets better. And I'm curious on um, with the Arkham HBO show, which is coming out, um, which I'm imagining is going to be kind of like, um, Kind of like the Mortal Kombat legacy where each episode is dedicated to a different villain of Gotham. Um, that 
they're going to kind of fill out kind of the backstories for a lot of these people. Cause I imagine by the end of this set, it will come to a crescendo, uh, an apex, right? Of, and, um, everything's going to blow over and Batman's going to have to fix it, you know? Finally, once and for all, fix it. Uh, I don't want to continue the review without mentioning Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle slash Catwoman. Again, not outright said that she is Catwoman, but, you know, we know who she is. And she has a good story, too, right? The Carmine Falcone storyline with Jonathan, uh, John Totoro did a great job uh, as Carmine Falcone and actually made him uh, have a little bit more personality and be a little bit more diabolical other than just mob boss, right? Um, I like that, and I liked her story arc, and it told a good story, and it related to the comics um, very well with the long Halloween stuff. And, um, yeah, she did a great job. They have great chemistry. I saw as a complaint, oh, they don't have chemistry. Uh, I don't know what you were watching because I think they do have good chemistry. So um, overall, I love this film. I think it's because a lot of people jumped on it and said it's a favorite Batman movie. And I agree, but it's a different type of Batman film. If you want a Batman that's probably closer to the comics, then yeah. This 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 is perfect, but if you yes, like it, also depending on which comic there, bud. Yeah, that's true. I guess that's true as well. But if you want a Batman that's maybe more based in reality, then I think you're gonna you're gonna prefer the Nolan film still, which I don't. I'm not mad at you for. Me personally, I love the person personalization of Gotham in this. I like the fact that Batman hasn't quite figured it out yet, and he's actually working towards becoming more. That he doesn't just pop up in this movie and he's already got the, the, the mob of Gotham down to its knees and it requires this extreme level of, uh, counterpoint, counter, uh, you know, the other side of the spectrum villain to kind of restore balance in that, in that way. Um, that he's still working towards becoming more and becoming the Batman as we know him and becoming Bruce Wayne as we know him. So I appreciate yeah. that in the long run. Um, A plus origin film. Yes. Um, solid A film for me. It was it really put out. Uh-huh. Now I got a couple of, I guess, comments and concerns before we move on to my hot takes for what the sequels should be. Okay. Um. So first and foremost, um, I, it was either Johnny Cash or Elvis Presley that said it takes a lifetime to write your first album and it takes a year to write your second album. Uh-huh. Okay. My my concern here is that because there was so much doubt and because there was so many people saying Robert Pattinson can't do it, Robert. And, you know, he's become kind of the I don't give a shit anymore guy, you Mm -hmm. know, which I think is excellent for his fucking persona. Yeah. But. Because I think that there was so much time, love, effort, work and money carefully put into this film mm-hmm. now i'm kind of concerned that the follow-up is gonna be we need to have it out in two years like do mm-hmm. whatever you gotta do you yeah. know what i mean okay i so understand that. that that's just a small concern um you know because we spoke on the sequels the other day very lightly specifically disney sequels but like the lion king 1.5 was phenomenal but two was not hmm. aladdin right yeah like there are a there is a subset. There's a whole category of the good Disney sequels. Yes. You know what I mean? So that's one of my concerns going into this is that because everybody was kind of like, I don't know, bro, but I'm still going to go see it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now people are expecting it. The mm-hmm. bar has been raised not I only agree. for Pattinson, but this generation of the bats. 
Can no, I, my second thing. Okay, can I make a, sorry, counterpoint, a counterpoint to that before you move on to the next thing? Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people felt that way about the Dark Knight going into the Dark Knight Rises, right? The bar was really was really high up there. The Dark Knight Rise was great. I like it. I liked it a lot. But I think the general populace will agree: good, not as good, right? So I'm going to try to um, ease some of your concern with that. This movie was directed by Matt Reeves, right? My opinion, the war for the planet of the apes, which he directed was better than any of the other planet of the apes movie that came before. And that I don't say that lightly. Those movies are very, very good. Those three planet of the apes movies that he did. The third one was the best one because it, it had this story arc throughout all three films that character had the crescendo. Yep. That character Caesar became what we know he was supposed to become by the end. And you were satisfied with the story and it bleeds into all of the other planet of the apes lore stuff um, that we know exists because all the movies and the books and TV show and all that stuff that, you know, exists currently uh, it, that character Caesar became that what we expected him to be. So, I gotcha. I, you know, the thing I still don't understand is how they got the Statue of Liberty up to that planet of the apes. But <laughs> kidding, kidding. no, no, I, I totally understand. Yeah. I am all on board for this director, but mm -hmm. there's a lot more moving parts than just a director and writer. Sure. For sure. So and if any of those fails at any given moment, like there could be a catastrophe for this franchise. OK, but. I'm staying hopeful. I'm staying very optimistic. I did not think this movie was going to be as good as it was. I think it was going to, I, my anticipation was, yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah. I think that's what both you and I felt going into it. Like, yeah, it'll probably be all right. Mine was, I hope it doesn't suck. <laughs> so that was the mindset that I went to. So maybe that's why I was like super mega blown away by it and why I liked it so much, because I was so afraid that it was going to suck. And that the fact that it didn't, and in a lot of ways, was really really fucking good. I that's why I was so happy with it. Cool. So I guess you can say you're Team Edward now. Oh fuck you. <laughs> okay. So this is actually uh, that that was a great segue. Thanks to me. Um, I want to talk about this for a moment because okay. Robert Pattinson was obviously in the Twilight franchise, and that mm -hmm. was his biggest role up until the Batman. Um, yes, I would we've say. seen this happen. I'm sorry. What? No, go ahead. Um, we've seen this happen with a multitude of actors particularly with, uh, you know, Harry Potter must not go to Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. um, Daniel Radcliffe, um, I don't know if you've been keeping up with with his filmography, but yeah. the man has enough money to do kind of whatever he wants. Absolutely. And that's fair territory. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you do movies you like and you're interested in. I'm mm -hmm. not criticizing that. But that being said, that is an actor who, I don't want to say peaked, but whose early roles will forever overshadow anything he does yeah okay now this isn't on the actor i blame this wholeheartedly on the agents okay okay and now my here's my concern because i've been i've been mentioning it for a while now right but i don't think anybody's like taking me seriously about this um tom holland okay okay with the spider-man um my fear is that he ends up in a very similar situation that these two one of them still currently in and the other one just recently got out of okay that they are the forever spider-man you know what i mean and okay. that's what they will be known for and uh, let me throw this out there i don't mean to totally you know take away from uh the batman or anything like that but i just watched uh 
The Devil All the Time. It's a Netflix movie with actually both Pattinson and Tom Holland. Hmm. And I did not expect shit from this movie. My girlfriend was just like, yeah, you know, I heard it was good. I was like, all right, fuck it, throw it on. I was literally shushing her by the end of it because <laughs> I was like on the edge of the fucking couch. Like this movie was good. I genuinely really adore that film. It's gritty. It's nasty. It, it has all the Southern grime you could ask for sure. outside of an every time I die album. Right. <laughs> um, but that being said, like Tom Holland's agent needs to get on it because okay. he is riding a gargantuan high. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And he was an excellent Spider-Man. And we talked at length about the last one and how amazing it was. Mm -hmm. But let's get you into other movies. Let's get you a career trajectory once more. Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because before the Spider-Man, you were Tom Holland. But after the Spider-Man, you are Spider-Man. Yes. That's the issue I'm having here. And Robert Pattinson proves that you can get out of that. Okay. If you told mm-hmm. me a decade ago, shit, if I told you a decade ago that the dude who played a sparkly vampire in Twilight is going to be the next Batman, I would you would burn have you probably at the stake. All... <laughs> you would have burned me at the stake along with all your Batman merch. Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. So it proves that it can be done. And I love Daniel Radcliffe. I yeah. loved all the weird fucking movies he's done. Yeah. Weird it's... shows, all that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, kudos to him. But mm-hmm. that being said, it, I don't want to say it's a trap. But it very much is a trap that you need to get out of. Do not stunt your career. Though, like, though I will say, um, th- yeah, you're you're right about uh, Daniel Radcliffe kind of kind of still being stuck in this box of being Harry Potter, and how Patson has gotten his way out of that. I do agree with you, but also Robert Patson didn't have to compete with the universe that Twilight created. Right, because they're at the end of the day, they're Twilight was a fad at the end of the day, right? It, it was very successful, really, really fucking good as far as like the money that it drew and how, like, you know, people who cared about it, but it didn't create a universe, right? Those Harry Potter movies, books, everything that has come after it is a universe that's built. At, I mean, we're still getting content. That, yeah, fucking Fantastic Beasts is around the corner, right? And um, the Hogwarts Legacy. And the Hogwarts Legacy is out, and the fucking Harry Potter game is out, or going to be coming out soon, which I'm going to add to the list if we have time. Um, you know, it's a whole thing. And again, it is physically built. There's the Universal Studios land that exists. Like, I, I, wouldn't, I would not put Twilight in that same category. I wholeheartedly agree. Mm-hmm. Um. That being said, then this might be even uh, an even taller mountain for Tom Holland to climb out of. That is true. No, so definitely. You know, I I'm not disagreeing with you. I wholeheartedly mm-hmm. agree that the franchises are not equal in any yeah. way, shape, or form. Pets, but, pets into uh, Twilight to Harry Potter, not equal. Marvel to Harry Potter, pretty fucking close. So <laughs> I mean, you know, money wise, I have no idea what that comparison looks like. Mm-hmm. But fan wise, I would argue yeah. that Marvel's even bigger. I agree with that. Yes. You know, Mm -hmm. so it's one of those things. And I I did want to mention it because I, especially after, you know, devil all the time, both of these people, Pattinson and Ham Talland are excellent. (laughs) Why do you do, why do you always do that with Tom's? I don't understand how Tom's always have their name fucking flip flopped. (laughs) Anyway, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it because both of them have great, great, great variety and depth to their characters in this film. But again, literally like, Two of the three people I'm talking about 
in a gritty southern post-war serial killer vibe movie okay it's capable they are capable people yeah. it's just their agents need to step up their game now for sure do you want to hear about my hot takes sure. as to where the franchise should go sure okay so if you were staying away from it turn off this podcast now because <laughs> we're going to talk about the person at the end of the movie mm. in the cell Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is your final warning. You've had spoilers. Now this is spoilers for the spoilers for the next movie. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's the Joker. Yes. Um, Okay, here's my thing. Um, Iconic bat villain, sure. Mm -hmm. Overused, absolutely. 100%. Mm -hmm. Now, here's where I think the film should go. Okay. The second movie, the Joker should be in the background. He should stay in Arkham. Yes. But... He should be pulling the fucking strings on everything that's happening on the mm-hmm. outside. Okay? And I don't give a shit who you toss in there. If you want to toss in Cal- Calendar Man, if you want to <laughs> toss in whoever the fuck it is, make them interesting, make them gritty, make them fit. But sure. the main plot should be driven by a Joker puppeteering style. Okay? Like mm-hmm. a mob boss that sends his fucking goons out even though he's quote-unquote lost his freedoms and locked up. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's my premise for the second movie. At the end of the second movie, somehow, some way, either by his own volition or forcefully, Batman... Out. No, 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 no. Oh. No, we're going we're gonna to take this a step further. Okay. Batman gets thrown into Arkham. Hmm. And then the third movie should be an Arkham Asylum-style ordeal. Oh, okay. Where... Batman is living with all of the people that he's <laughs> fucked over. He's locked up. He's locked up, and he is put in the fucking doghouse with these quote-unquote criminals that he's put away, and now he's in the same boat. And mm. I haven't decided whether I want it to be Batman Batman or Bruce Wayne, and everybody knows who Bruce Wayne is, Batman. Because mm. I think you could take it either way, and I'd be really happy. Even if it's just like a... Batman goes into Arkham to get information out of someone, and then suddenly the Joker pulls a bunch of strings. Like there's a full lockdown, all the guards are dead. You got to fight your way out, kind okay. of like a, like a, you know, for lack of better terms, let's call it like a zombie movie on a timer, right? Sure. But if you want to do that and really, really fucking nail the head home, that I think would be a phenomenal way of doing oh, it. Okay. I actually, I don't. I think I, I, I think that's a great idea, honestly. Because uh, they they do, I, I, I'm sure you saw it. They did drop uh, a deleted scene from the film uh, that did show us the Joker, uh, and it's like five minutes long. It's not super long, but it did a great job of kind of establishing a pre uh, p- before the movie relationship, a prequel relationship between Bruce Wayne, Batman, and the Joker. Because the Joker's like, oh, it's our anniversary coming up, huh? And basically, the Batman appeals to the Joker in kind of a Hannibal Lecter kind of a way. Ah, we got this guy running around. You can probably have a better understanding of him than I can. What do you think? And the Joker's like, okay, whatever. And I kind of want, you and I kind of agree, I kind of want that angle to be in the next one. I run it like a season of criminal minds is what you fucking do Mm. where this dude's in the background while bats is fighting the things that are like actionable items. Let's call them like physical things you can act on. Right. Mm -hmm. You throw scarecrow in there. You pull in, uh, 
what's that dude the murder that starts with a z victor's ass victor's ass thank you i'm terrible with names mm-hmm. you you know you throw in whoever the fuck you want i don't care like i said mm-hmm. right but you have it all be because of the joker and then in the final third film you have the confrontation mm-hmm. and you reveal how he made all this work and why and mm-hmm. boom you have an easy send-off yeah you okay. either kill the bats or you set him free yep yeah yeah yeah. i saw like i guess i i agree with 100 with the second one i actually didn't even think about the arkham asylum arkham city angle that you can take with this i didn't even think about that it's actually a really good idea um but for the next one like you said you could put any i want i want a real serious version done of mr freeze we haven't gotten that yet he's not a hundred percent a true villain he's more of like a I don't want to call him an anti-hero either because he's not quite that. But he's his, a sympathetic villain. Yeah, he's a, yeah, there you go. That's the one I'm looking for. A sympathetic villain where you understand kind of his motives and get it. And I will actually, I, my other idea was kind of like the secondary side villain, kind of like a penguin was in this movie, was a Victor Zaz or somebody like that of that nature. And, you know, you have them go through this film. And by the end of the second film, you have the Joker break free. But I really, really do like your Arkham City, Arkham, Arkham Asylum kind of a vibe. I think it would be kind of interesting because especially since the the people like the, the cops, um, you know, the, the police department of, of Gotham believe that he's kind of a freak too. that Bruce Wayne Batman is a freak. It wouldn't make sense for them to be like, well, let's lock his ass up then. You know what I mean? Well, well I mean, the setup is so easy too. L- literally like you, you literally elevated my point by saying that, oh, Batman realizes he has to become hope in the second movie. You make him pious. You make him the, the public, goody two shoes mm-hmm. superman like figure right mm-hmm. and in the beginning of the third one you have the fall uh, the fall from grace you have the fall right you either have a cop like you know uh blame him accuse him of murder like a setup mm-hmm. or he actually does accidentally kill an innocent person yeah and now the cops who have never been on batman's side aside from gordy yeah go he's a fucking freak i've been telling you this for I five fuck, years i told now. you i told you i told you yeah we have him on an actual crime lock him up now yeah, the setup is so easy. It's so natural too. Yeah, I I, I could totally agree with that. And, and then in the third movie, you have Batman fucking conflicted. Like, damn, maybe I'm just as bad as mm-hmm. these guys. Yeah, maybe maybe I maybe because because escalation, maybe I am the reason all this has happened. You know what I mean? Because you know that that was a big thing. And from Batman Begins to the Dark Knight is the Joker came because of Batman, right? The Joker exists because Batman exists, and the way escalation works is that one thing leads – it's a domino effect. One thing leads to the next, and it just gets worse as time goes on. And, I, you know, at, at the end, you know, like you said in the third one, you could have an Arkham Asylum kind of situation where Batman is locked I, in. The movie writes itself. Yeah, and you just – you're on this – Island Arkham Asylum Arkham City style situation where Batman is stuck with the people that he has put in jail, and he has to overcome all of the odds. He and has, he, he has to overcome his past sins is what he has to overcome. Absolutely, you know he's put himself in this scenario where he is literally locked with his the people that he's put in jail, put in the asylum, and uh, all of them, one way or another, want him dead. Fucking cell with Albert Fish. Boom. <laughs> yeah, and then you can even have a situation where, like, in the third one, I think you should keep Zoe Kravitz Catwoman out of the next one, and you could have her in the third one and be like, "What? Well, how did I get stuck into your fucking mess? Like, I am living my life in Bloodhaven, 
how did I get caught in here with you and have him have some help in the asylum? You know what I mean? There you go. So I, yeah, I, I really do like that idea. I think it's a great idea, Gabe. I really do. I, you know, because I, I was literally sitting there like, where are they going to take this? Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, I was like, well, the middle one, you know, expand, make mm-hmm. it a proper sequel. And on the third one, you flip the formula on its head. Or by, or by the end of the second one, you have the setup for the third one. Where yeah. everything starts to fall apart at the end of the second one. Batman gets caught, thrown in jail, and then you lead into the... You, you end the fucking second movie kind of the same way you ended the first one. With the Joker laughing his ass off because he's the one that's responsible for it. And then you have a setup and a lot of anticipation leading into the third one. And, you know, granted, like I have to admit, it is a little bit familiar to what nolan's batman did to Mm -hmm. an extent Mm -hmm. right the sort of rise and fall of the caped crusader but make it gritty make it nasty and for fuck's sake i want to see batman not fighting on his home turf and i don't think putting him in a different city is going to solve that problem i actually i really think that's a great idea game i really do thank you yeah because you know gotham is his city he knows it in and out he knows the shortcuts all the alleyways he knows the fucking highway the flow of traffic Mm -hmm. it's 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 obvious in the movie except for the fucking low-hanging bridge where that was hilarious by the way (laughs) yeah right Um, just smacks it to the (laughs) it's like okay i understand but okay he's armored up bridge in an entire city is what he couldn't remember right (laughs) and it's my my favorite thing is about is like okay i understand that he's armored but that should kill him. Like he hit that shit really fucking hard. Like that should kill the impact alone should have killed him. My, my favorite thing is that they literally never mention it again. Yeah. Right. He just fucking, <laughs> he gets up, walks away, rubs like fucking, you know, rubs his head and he fucking walks away. It's like, no dude, you should have at least a couple of broken things attached to that. Attached to yourself. Yes. But so, so yeah, that those are my, and you know, I called them hot takes cause I didn't yeah. know. How they would be received because you're going to have somebody totally on the other side of the fence that's like, well, no, I want a detective noir with freeze, but like, you know, like classic y kind of Mm -hmm. good cop, bad cop Mm -hmm. vibe, you know what I mean? But it's like, nah, this isn't the way this is set up to be, in my opinion. Yeah, because like, and honestly, the way you, the way you pitched it actually lines up very well with how Matt Reeves does these things. And because the first planet, the, was it Dawn of the Planet of the Apes or is it Rise? I forget which one's first because they're basically the same thing. Rise of the Planet of the Apes was kind of this triumphant story. By the end, you see how the character is going to progress into the future and how he becomes that character. And the second one, there's this conflict involved with the character. He's struggling with his role, his leadership. He understands he needs to continue to progress for and for the sake of his people become better and all of that by the third one there's the situation where everything he has done up to this point he starts to question he doesn't understand the the he is semi-responsible for the downfall of his people and he needs to overcome that and you can do that just apply that to batman and matt reeves is a great director He's proven that, right? And he could direct his ass out of a film. And if he could kind of take some of those story beats and apply broad strokes, really apply it to Batman, he could do something great. And the way you labeled, kind of laid it out, is very similar. So 
I like it. Well, there you go. Um, just a quick disclaimer: we are notorious on this podcast for, for writing, writing, better be- writing better movies. <laughs> we literally did that with Star Wars after yeah, seeing the first one, especially when it's a set of three that you and I care deeply about. We always write better movies. Always, 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 always. So that being said, um, grain of salt. The next, uh, <laughs> it, you know, that's just kind of what I want to see. Those are my ideas. Sure. Um. If that ends up coming to fruition, Matt Reeves, contact me. I'll tell you where to send my check. Um, shit, I'll sell you the idea. I'm I'm cheap too. Uh, <laughs> Give me, throw me a mill. I am satisfied. <laughs> I settle for a lot less than that. <laughs> Jesus, but, I don't know, man. I mean, I think even you could uh, find a way to, you know, milk that for the all it's worth. But regardless, <laughs> um, that that is my personal planned ideal trajectory for these movies. Okay. Is that going to come true? I don't know yet. We'll We'll see. see. We got three, two, three years till the next one. Um, But that being said, do you have any closing questions, comments, or concerns in regards to the bats? No, man. Um, I, I really, I loved it a lot. Um, uh, I should, it's kind of a different take on what we've gotten before. Um, I loved, I love this movie a lot. Here's a question for you. Sure. Um, so the movie's already three hours long. Do you think there's going to be like an extended director's cut? I think with the success, depending how you feel about it, of the Zack Snyder four-hour Justice League cut, I really think you have no other choice. Uh, you you want to hear a hot take? Sure. Okay. So and and you're going to scold me for this, but it actually happened. Um. We rewatched The Mummies in the past two days. Okay. okay we did one a night. Um, and I have the super special sauce extra edition versions, right? Okay. Um, and the first thing I did after we finished watching the first Mummy, I was like, huh, I wonder what the deleted scenes look like. Do you know? Do you want to know how many there were? Uh, 15. Two. Oh, really? Two, and one of them didn't even make sense to include it. So really, like, one that was just, like, cut, cut. Really? And I'm just like... It's possible to not be wasteful mm-hmm. with creation of film. And, yeah. you know, I don't mean like physically, but time wise, money wise. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm curious to see, because I'm sure there's going to be a handful at the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how many, because yeah. if there's like a whole nother movie in the deleted scenes, then holy shit, like you guys filmed a lot. But well, I'm like, just kind of curious. Like the Snyder Cut, like it was. There's literally a whole other film. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was yeah, a completely no. different movie. And that's my thing. Uh, like, I feel like the bats did what it needed to do. It got across. Sure, three hours. That's not nothing to you know scoff at. But still, and a very does it need efficient to be three hours. Efficient, yeah. yeah. Do, you know, does anything beyond the three hour mark constitute as productive anymore? Yeah, I mean, that's true. Maybe if you're the Godfather, yeah. But that that's movie true. was. A slow but very productive burn all the way through. Absolutely was. Everything Incredibly meant something. Slow. Everything meant something. Everything. Yeah, yeah so, man. So uh, I loved it a lot. It's an A plus for me. Uh, I have a very hard time seeing how anything is going to be better than it. For, for me personally this year. I'm not a fucking uh, Academy Award, you know, voter. I'm not a part not of the academy. Anyone at the Oscars? I'm not slapping anybody at the Oscars. I'm not even a fucking get into that because that whole mess is. Oh no, two rich people yeah. got into an altercation at their golden statue ceremony. <laughs> Boo-hoo. It's been beat, it's been beaten to death, it's been memed to death. I'm already sick of hearing about it. 
Uh, and I like both of those people involved a lot. So, I mean, I'm, I'm over it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so, Whatever. yeah, that's that's our opinion on the Batman. Go ahead and send an email to us if you agree or disagree. Um, I've seen uh, a lot of interesting takes on the movie, mostly positive, but there are some people who said not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do see some people saying, nah, it's whack. I don't understand how people can have that opinion. But, Even if it's not your favorite Batman. Yeah. It is still like top three at least i I was gonna say three but at least five yeah at bare minimum yeah for sure definitely man i seen some i forgot who who put it out ah shit was it ign it might have no no it wasn't somebody who knows who doesn't know as much as they should uh maybe like um was it lamb goat no i think it might have been like the washington post that put out um their best bat not batman movies but bat people who've played batman and man, how high fucking Ben Affleck was is mind boggling to me. I just, I just don't understand it. But, you know, one of those things where if you, you know, 10 years ago, if you told me to pick between the two, the choice would have shocked me. Yeah, that's true. So uh, definitely. I mean, shit, it was the, it was the, the 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 biggest box office then for like three weeks running. So I have a hard time believing that you haven't seen it. But if you have not, definitely check that shit out. It was so good. So good. So we are about an hour in. We can let because I, you know, fuck, I don't have a whole lot to say about anything else in movies and TVs. Uh, I really don't want to talk about gaming right now either, other than the fact that I am completely obsessed with Apex Legends right. yet again. Here's what we're going to do. Okay. We're going to do a quick and dirty edit music news and reviews. Um, first of all, uh, really, really sad news. Yes. Um, every time I die is no longer together. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely heartbreaking. And everybody's asked me, whose side am I on? Are you a Keith or are you the rest? Of the-? I, I said, no, 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 no. It, it feels like, sides. it feels like your parents got divorced. It feels exactly like that. <laughs> it incredibly feels exactly. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. And, and I was trying to explain it to my coworker, who's also a really big fan. And I, I used your example. Because it finally smacked me in the face, right? Mm-hmm. Your example, you said, I don't care what the guys from Vanna do. I don't care what Davey Muse does. There will never be another Vanna. Mm-hmm. And sure, you like in spirit. I do. Sure, they smack. They might be fun and this and that. But Vanna as an entity mm-hmm. will never be a thing. Correct. As far as we know, right? Mm-hmm. But they ended off on good terms. Yes. Every time I die, at least there's still hope for you, Jake. There is none for you. <laughs> Okay. Uh, it was yeah. ugly. It was messy. I'm upset. And as far as anyone's concerned, I'm not taking sides because mm-hmm. everybody does something outside of the music scene. And mm-hmm. I'm sure the four dudes, uh, Andy, Jordan, Goose, and Steve, mm-hmm. they're still doing music. They posted about doing music this week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if they can get Josh Scogan along, which I've seen yeah. as like a rumor that like, hey, Josh Scogan, like, I think he's free. Like, no, he's still doing 68. Mm-hmm. And Scogan's really good at going, oh, well, that's the lifetime of this project. Let me yeah, jump over. Right? So sure. even if you yeah. do get Scogan, it's going to be 10 years max. It's going to be an um, album or two and then he out. <laughs> yeah. But that being said, man, Keith writes, Jordan mm-hmm. draws, Andy wrestles, Steve has a tiki bar and Goose, you know, he begs for bread at ponds. <laughs> so um, that's a joke. I don't know what he does on the side. Everybody does something else. Yeah. And as much as I want all five of them to continue doing music, frankly, I find myself uninterested in that. 
Yeah. The damn things, whatever it may be, whatever, you know. Which um, also won't be a thing because I'm pretty sure Jordan was involved in that as well, was he not? Uh, no, he wasn't. You sure? Uh, I, I don't know if he did any writing or guitar mm. parts, okay. but I'm pretty sure he wasn't like a core member. Okay. But I, regardless if he was or not, mm-hmm. it's like, I, it's just, I just don't care enough at yeah. this point. And no, he, he is not okay. a core member of them. I just gotcha. double checked. Gotcha. But it's one of those things. You're absolutely right. Your parents are getting divorced. Sure. You can maybe have a favorite at the time, but either but ways pick... you lose. Yeah. You, you, you know, <laughs> if you, and, and you know, I can't speak for everyone on this because mm-hmm. parents are, can be total shitheads, but mm-hmm. if you grew up and both your folks were good to you and yeah. you still end up in this situation, it, there's no winning. I mean, at, at least, uh, if it's any kind of um, uh, consolation for you, we didn't have to see every time I die get bad. You know what I mean? I I don't think they would have ever hit that point. Personally. I mean, and if I, you look at, I, I'm sure and, I'm sure a lot of people feel that way about their favorite artists, but then they see them get old and write music that's uninspired, and then they're like, ah, they probably should end a couple albums ago. I, I am very, very inclined to agree with you, but this band's discography is like no other. Okay. Like, if you told me that a metal, punk, hardcore band, whatever you want to classify them, they do it all, right? Mm-hmm. If you told me a band like that out there exists and that each release is better than the last, mm-hmm. I would have asked, what fucking drugs are you smoking and can I get your dealer's number? Sure. Is exactly what I, what would I have said. That being said, yes, there is a lot of truth to your statement. Um, in conclusion, this fucking blows. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm bummed out too. I mean, I'm I'm not. I mean, I'm sad. I'm upset. I blame Adriana because every single time she starts to like a band, they break up. Kind of like for that little time frame where every time you like the band, they started to suck. Um, oh, they totally flipped the fucking cog. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm very bummed out about this. I'm double bummed out because I was supposed to see them in tour um, with Under Oath, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very sad. They're one of my favorite bands too. Uh, I'm not maybe as obsessed as Gabe, um, but they're, they're I, I literally my... have so much shit from every single yeah. individual and the collective at this house. You yeah. have no idea. Yeah, uh, you know they're in my top ten of all time, and I was very very sad to see them go, especially the circumstances of which the fact that they're not getting along personally really kind of upsets me especially since you do have brothers in the band who are completely opposite ends of the spectrum on whose side quote unquote you should be on um yeah i'm, I'm not taking sides i'm just sad that they're no longer they're no longer part of uh of music together i'm sad that a institution of the scene is gone and uh it upsets me you know you so know, and, and i i think um because this is one of those things right like where were you when and forgive me for like equating it to this, but yeah, like right. if you're old enough to remember 9-11, you know where you were, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I literally remember getting the, notica- the notification from you. I was talking. It was me, my girlfriend, and Ish. And I, I looked at my phone, and I literally went pale, and both of them immediately knew something was wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. And, and, you know, like we joke, we laugh, but like I get it, dude. I haven't touched a pit since that Every Time I Die show <laughs> yeah. right before lockdown. Like I get it. And, you know, sorry for giving you crap for all those years, but, like, I have no interest. <laughs> I, I no longer have interest. You know, the only band I might come out for is the Devil Wears Prada. And that's, like, a couple of songs, not even, like, a full set like I would do for Every Time I Die. Hey, man, now you know why I retired after Vanna. 
So yeah, I <laughs> I hear you, man. It blows yeah. and it's unfortunate, but yeah, uh, you know, the, the worst part is is that these last two years have been crazy, yeah. tumultuous, unpredictable, and frankly, kind of fucking scary, dude. Yeah. My memory is like hardcore fucked up yeah. from when the pandemic started till now. Like my timelines, it's a blender, bro. Great. Yeah, it's a blend, and. It sucks knowing that the one constant that was always there since 98 is no longer there. And yeah. I think that's the worst part. That you could always count on a banger album. Mm-hmm. You could always count on one of the craziest live shows you've ever been to. Yep. And the Christmas show. Yep. Right? And that, that's and it, just gone. And it bumps me out because like they wrote a really fucking good album that they did not have a chance to support. No. No, not one bit. And yeah. um, well... You know they they had um they had a small tour right mm-hmm. and they you know thankfully all those people that went to the tour got to see all this in war with Josh Scogan because mm-hmm. sixty eight was touring with them and yeah. that's you know that's like the magnum opus man right yeah, there for sure yeah man so, sad day for the hardcore scene um it was very very drama filled and kind of an ugly situation unfortunately um, but we will hundred uh, percent miss every time I die and. Here's to holding out hope that maybe one day their differences could be set aside and at the very least give their fans the opportunity to say goodbye in the way that we want to. And the way we want to is covered in tears, covered in blood, covered in sweat in the middle of a mosh pit somewhere. Uh, rest in peace every time I die. Yeah. 13 shows, by the way, yeah. I've attended. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> I think you might be close to me, and I saw them over a 15 to 20 year time period. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I didn't get into them until low teens. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Frank here. So I I went out of my way to see this band. Yeah. I've disrupted my life to see this band. <laughs> but that being said, um, let's segue into a band that did come back and yes. thankfully still together. Thank you, uh, Under Oath. So we have the album and the review. Yes. Uh, so they dropped a new album called Voyeurist. Uh, probably my least favorite album title of theirs because. Gives me, gives me porn vibes, but um, yeah, they dropped a new album that is very experimental. So um, I think we could both can agree. It's a, you know, I think you and I have kind of opin- different opinions when it comes to Erase Me. I liked it quite a bit. I think you liked it to a certain extent, but wasn't overly wowed by it, right? Uh, yep, exactly that. Yep. And uh, this album, I think, is more of the same. Uh, they are experimenting. They are trying new things. I think I, one of my favorite thing about this album is that Aaron has definitely taken a backseat vocally uh, to allow Spencer to kind of be that guy. Flourish. Yeah, to flourish and to, to grow uh, into into that role. Uh, and you'll see what I'm talking about when I talk about the, the tour stuff. But uh, it is a very good album. Pretty good. I say pretty good. Not very good. It is a pretty good album. Uh, doesn't disappoint. Um and like I said, they're experimenting. They're trying new stuff. And uh, there's some of the new songs, like songs like Hallelujah, that which are very different from anything Under Oath has kind of done prior, uh, I think shine. Uh, I think, honestly, some of the weaker songs are some of the songs that they... Are repeated? Yeah. Yeah, that, that kind of retread some of the old territory that they've been in. And I think some of the newer stuff is stuff that... Uh, maybe they should try moving forward. They they do have their overly heavy moments. Uh, they do have that song about halfway through that has kind of like that voicemail kind of a like an intro to it that I liked quite a bit. Um, they're they're improving as songwriters. It's not just chorus, 
our verse chorus verse chorus breakdown chorus again they're they're experimenting with new strong structure new song structure and new things so i'm a fan of it man i think it's a b uh you know very very good not as good as i wanted it to be uh being there are also in my top 10 of all time um i wish there was a little bit more there a little bit more meat on the bone but overall a very good album b for me um so i did listen to it i didn't go to the tour um and uh you know it's kind of funny because like i got on another straight from the path kick and i was like fuck i should have went to that show <laughs> yeah uh, but but literally the, every time i died was the only band that i was like yeah no that's it right yeah. mm-hmm. um very much along the same lines it is a filling meal mm-hmm. but it is not one of those where you will be satisfied for the rest of the night mm-hmm. i found myself kind of like finishing the album and then going back to some of their older stuff mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with a nice, healthy, downsized meal. Yes. Um, I will say, though, that I like this much better than Erase Me. And I'm, you know, I, I kind of got over my, my my youthful angst where, no, why'd you change your sound? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm the total opposite now. Keep fucking experimenting. You're absolutely right. Some of those songs on there, I was like, wow, this is what we should have seen five, six years ago, mm-hmm. right after the revival. Right. Mm-hmm. Probably seven or eight now, if you think about it. Jesus. Yeah. But this is what should have came right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And, be, you know, it takes some of us longer to get to our dead ends, to quote, you know, um, Defender and the mm-hmm. Chariot. But it's one of those things where get weird with it. Try new things, you know. Um, and if it works and if it sticks and if you constantly have that song on a tour set list and people are reacting well, lean into that direction, mm-hmm. right? It's the whole um it's the whole of the plot and you argument, right? When mm-hmm. that flip happened, nobody saw it coming. Nobody expected it, especially mm-hmm. from a staple C-tier band. Under Oath is not a C-tier band. No, they're not. They, they are a very solid headliner or co-headliner. You can spin mm-hmm. it either way, and people will be satisfied. Lean I, into the creativity. Take it new directions. This is not 2004 anymore, mm-hmm. and I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean that in a we've had 18 years to mm-hmm. grow and develop and if you need time and if you want to do new things, full send it. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I, I agree. I agree overall uh, with your assessment. So yeah, good album could have been better, but we'll, I guess we'll have to wait and see what, what happens moving forward with them. Uh, I, you know, I'm hopeful. I'm always hopeful about Under Oath. I, I was going to say, I, you know, I wasn't excited for this album, but I think for the first time in a very long time, I am really excited for the next okay. album. Yeah, that's fair. I, so I, agree I, I think that's like worth noting too. For sure. So with the tour or with the, the album comes a tour, uh, the Voyeur's tour, which again was supposed to feature every time I die. Uh, since they broke up, they kind of made some lineup adjustments. Uh, they moved spirit box from the opening band to the co-headlining band. And they added two additional bands to the bill, uh, straight from the path, uh, bad omens, uh, spirit box, and under oath. Now, with that being said, uh, Spirit Box was hit with COVID prior to our show. So therefore, one, probably the 35 to 40% of the reason why I wanted to go is off the table, which is actually double hilarious because prior to that, under oath missed the shore in Denver because of the snow. So this tour was cursed <laughs> from top to bottom between every time I die, uh, under oath missing a show and spirit box having to hop off for a couple of days because of COVID. Uh, this tour is cursed and we'll never talk about the Voyage tour ever again. 
I, pr- I promise you. I promise you. Give me one second. Dear. I'm going to go ahead and assume that he wants me to do the thing where I fill empty airtime. So I'm going to start this off like I normally do, and I'm just going to start conversating, and we're going to see how derailed we can get by the time Jacob gets back. I'm back. Right? I'm so, back. Oh, wow. That was perfect timing. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. My, my kid walked in and let me know that there's food ready. So thank you, babe. But give me a second. Um, but yeah, so of course, uh, a cursed tour. We're never going to talk about it ever again. But um, so let me just kind of cover from the beginning. Straight from the path. Seen them a couple of times. I like them. Uh, they're To me, they are a solid C band. I think they've kind of hit their ceiling. I don't see them getting any bigger than they are right now. But live, I mean, I don't know, man. Fortune Teller is a banger, but how do you <laughs> top that? <laughs> uh, yeah, the the they're they're a good solid opening band to middle of the bill band. You know, I like them. They're good live. Um, I I was telling Adriana because at this point, Drew looks a lot like Pete Davidson. And I'm like, man, I didn't know Pete Davidson was in a hardcore band. So uh, my favorite thing is that his name is Drew York. You can't get any better. That's what that. I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I'm like, if New York was the New York hardcore scene was a person, it would be Drew York. <laughs> yeah, I think Madball fans have have a couple of choice words for you. Uh, somebody for the last 20 years, please. Yeah, I fucking said it anyways. Uh, <laughs> Madball. Uh, so, yeah, they were good. Next up was Bad Omens. So. Prior, previously on the Second City Kids podcast, you will know that me and Gabe spoke very highly of Bad Omens, right? Like two years ago. Yeah, uh, that, you know, we thought very, very highly of them, that we thought that they were going to be kind of the next step up in the evolution of this thing. Uh, Now, since then, they haven't really dropped anything that has impressed either of us. I think it's safe to say, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went into this kind of, um, not as excited. My wife is a big fan. So whatever I sat there, arms crossed, but watch the show. I think a couple of things could be taken away from this. And number one of which being their vocalist is exceptional. He is a star waiting to be discovered and to take into greater heights. Right, he's fighting like he's fucking Brendan Urie in early, <laughs> early panic. I yeah. see the live set, man. Yeah. Uh, ulti- though ultimately he is being let down with the group of musicians that surround him. Um, they are not great. They are very average. They're very mid, as the kids would say. Um, and I told my wife this. I'm like, he is great. He's exceptional. He's an extreme talent. Monkeys can play the, the, those parts that he, that they write. Um, they're, they're, to me, it's a ripoff of it was it used to be a ripoff of the Premium Horizon. Now it's a ripoff of the plot in you. Um, I'm not impressed with the music. I think he could be great. The band is holding him back, and the sooner he discovers that, the better off he'll be. My opinion, as far as the live show sounded fine, a lot. A lot of fucking backtracking and not even the fun stuff. You would think that like the solo and, you know, a lot of those cool leads would be played in person and the chugga 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 in the background wouldn't be. But it's actually the other way around because I'm not entirely sure that the guitar place is there was the guitar player who wrote it. So that's my opinion on Bad Omens. I don't know why they're catching steam, probably because of him exclusively. Um, But yeah. Uh, he's great. He's ultra, ultra, ultra talented, and he's going to have a bright future ahead of him, but he's going to have to find himself a better group of musicians to surround himself with. 
That's my opinion. Okay, so here's a question. I won't ask you how Under Oath was because the answer to that question is very apparent. How many times did Spencer uh, wrap the mic around his neck and whip it up into the air? Actually, once by my count. Wow, that's uh, he's uh, pretty conservative with that now, huh? Yeah, he's not quite uh, Adam Lazar level of wrapping the mic around the neck. He was getting there. I will give you that because I don't know if you've ever <laughs> if you ever seen Taking Back Sunday Live. He spends probably seventy five percent of the set with the microphone cord wrapped around his neck. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he wasn't that bad this time around. Um, yeah, so <laughs> Copy that. moving on to the main course because again. Spirit Box was off the show, which bummed me out. Uh, Under Oath obviously played a set, a, a, a grueling, I think 14, 15 song set with a good amalgamation of stuff that everybody's familiar with, uh, with some new stuff, with some deep cuts. They played uh, a little bit of everything uh, this time around. A good distribution of old and new, and um, they're great. I'm not going to say anything new, <laughs> you know? Uh you know, they, you kind of know what you get. Yeah, you know what you're going to get. You're going to be happy every single time. You're going to walk away satisfied, much like you're going to your favorite restaurant. Uh, ordering your usual. Ordering yep. your usual. You know you're going to love it. You know it's going to taste good. And you're not going to be disappointed about how you feel at the end. That That's under oath in a nutshell. They're great live. They'll always be great live. And but they, I did, they have I, been for the past 20 years. Exactly. <laughs> but what I do want, did want to point out, which I thought was kind of funny, is that I feel like Aaron is taking a step back live vocally. And I don't fucking blame him because I for the first time I've seen him play on my teeth live. And I understand why the fuck he doesn't want to sing anymore is all I'm saying. Um, so that's my opinion on the matter. They're great. I don't know if it's great. Is what it Copy is. that. Thank you for the review. We have an album and a quick little discussion at the end. Okay, so the <laughs> album is Fear and Dagger by a band called Paleface. Or pa- 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 Paleface, based on how you spelled it in the... Paleface, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I can't English. <laughs> Which is funny, because neither can these guys. No, keep going. Um. Okay, so <laughs> did you get a chance to listen to it? I did, actually. Okay, what did you think? Um, I think it's very good. Uh, I think it's very similar to stuff that's already existing. Uh, to me, it's, it kind of reeks of Knocked Loose, uh, especially musically. Vocally, it's kind of a different animal because they go very kind of weird because they go kind of hip hop and rappy on us on a couple of parts, uh, which I don't hate. You know, I'm a new metal kid. I'm a League Park fan. So I'm down for that style of delivery. Uh, I liked it. I thought it was really, really good. Is it bringing new stuff to the table? No. But what it does, it does very well. And I think fans of bands that are like these guys, I think they'll naturally like it as well. Especially coming from a band that's smaller. That's not as recognized as maybe they should be. So I'm going to give Pale Face uh, kind of a nod. The the seal of approval uh, in a way. Because I did like what I heard. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I actually, so I came across a single like a couple weeks ago and then somebody was like, oh, the album's out. And I was driving from Philly home and I was like, perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we have uninterrupted time. Let's knock it out. And dude, just the sheer violence coming out mm-hmm. of this fucking man's mouth was intense. It mm-hmm. was on and it was insane. And, I, you know, I, I, I'm leaning to agree with you that you're right. It doesn't break too much new ground but i think what it does it does very very well Mm -hmm. and i would even argue that it's a weird mishmash of knocked loose like current knocked loose and like year of the knife yeah is i would put it somewhere in you know between those two that being said 
Um, it's I, actually, I I, honestly, it's not loosen varials, if you ask me. Okay. Yeah, Vocal, I can hear vo- that Especially too, vocally, vocally varials. So my whole thing was I was listening to this, and I, I looked at my girlfriend. I was like, I need you to look up where these guys are from and tell me because I cannot pinpoint the sound. <laughs> and you and I are usually pretty good about that. Like, yeah. okay, East Coast, or we can usually get it down to a city most times. Yeah, you know? yeah. Either it's Australia, says, Boston, or somewhere in California. Or Ohio. <laughs> or Ohio, yeah. Yeah, the, don't don't forget the catch-all. We're there in Cali now, but they're from Columbus. <laughs> Columbus, California? No, dumbass. Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> Um, and I was just, you know, um, astonished. I feel like we don't cover very many international bands on mm-hmm. this podcast, but my thing is you're right. They are not super known and they are not at the forefront. We need, we need them to fucking, you know, come here. We need them to be on tours with mm-hmm. bands like, uh, you're the knife with knocked loose with varials, right? We need them with that support Mm -hmm. or we need them supporting those kinds of bands, Mm -hmm. right? Counterparts, perfect fucking lineup, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then we will get them to the place that they deserve to be because this is a fucking phenomenal album. In my opinion, I like it quite a bit. Okay. And like I said, you're right. Not treading any new waters, not treading any new territories. But what they've done is that they've sat down and they've refined the wheel. They mm-hmm. said this design works. Let us iterate upon it. Let's add leather to this joint. Let's add rubber <laughs> to this guy. Wood wheels are perfectly fine, but you know what's great? Rubber wheels. <laughs> the Swedes literally went, okay, what if we put nitrogen in the wheels? <laughs> that way it won't shrink when it's cold. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so I dig it, and you know, take what you want from this but it's mean it's dirty and if you've been itching like i've been itching all winter long i think this is a good way to start off the spring and well another thing that i will say is this album is 16 tracks long and automatically i assumed because the first track was like the first real song was like a minute and like 50 i'm like okay it's gonna be a bunch of that and then it proceeded to rail off three three and a half to four minute songs i'm like dude okay (laughs) very cool that was my thing too i was like I was like, wow, I wonder how far I am in the album. And I look and I was like, I'm still on the same song. Holy shit. <laughs> We're yeah. so used to an album being between 35 and 45 mm-hmm. minutes. Most of the shit we review on this podcast falls in that line. And mm-hmm. we argue like this should have been an EP. They should have sat down. They should have refined, removed a little bit, mm-hmm. and, you know, but like for once I'm like, this is a proper fucking album. Yeah. Sure. It's an hour and six minutes, but fuck it. We bang all the way through. And it's funny because like once, okay, because like I kind of, you know, I go, you know how you go through the stages of grief. I go through the stages of, okay, if that, that's not what happened, then this is what's going to happen. So once I realized, got a minute and a half, hit the minute and a half song, I'm like, okay, it's going to be a bunch of that. And then I did some longer songs in, in the next couple of tracks. I'm like, okay, there's going to be at least two or three or four intervals or interludes, right? And they didn't even have that. <laughs> so no. I got really confused about maybe 12 tracks and I'm like, okay, it's got to be just an assault the whole time. Got it. Literally, the only break you get is that intro, 665. Yeah. And the weird and even rap. That's rap like creepy. Even that weird rap uh, Nickelback song in Halfway, which is by far my least favorite song on, on the album. Perfectly fine. I agree with you. <laughs> still, still an interesting piece to examine. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for me, uh, probably solid B plus. For sure. I like it. Yeah. We'll see how long uh, 
pale face i don't want to say sticks around for as like a band but how long how how much repeat time they get on my shuffle sure okay and the last thing so you mentioned bad omens and mm-hmm. a couple years ago we said these three bands are the forefront <laughs> of the like the, the new next wave of metalcore mm-hmm. right and so is northern ghost which is still mia mm-hmm. i don't know why if you do please let us know it was bad omens <laughs> if, if you see norma ghost please inform us <laughs> yeah and i'm not talking about the great american kind i'm talking about the northern kind mm-hmm. eh? um, yeah. so it was uh, northern ghost it was bad omens and what was the third brand uh, a thousand below thousand below these three bands <laughs> what the fuck you know it's funny though because after saying that right because we had these three bands in mind there was a separate triangle that did rise and take over. It was just let not the... Get, Go ahead. Let me get Spirit Box. Oh, actually, I did not include them, no. Um, but to be fair, Spirit Box fucking... It wasn't a glow-up. It was a firecracker. Yeah. It was a mortar. It yeah. was like, hey, here's an <laughs> album, and then suddenly everyone, everyone's talking about it in like a week's time. Like, oh my god, this is the next big well, thing. Think, right? about, think about it. Spirit, this tour with Under Oath that Spirit Box was on was their first complete tour that they've had. Yeah. Think about I, that. I literally saw a Courtney LaPlante tweet that, yeah. hey, we're doing this stop, and my parents finally get to see me perform <laughs> this song live. So that, This is fast, Well, hang man. on. No, 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 no. Let me, let me rectify that, right? Because what I'm about to get into is fucking hilarious. She finally said, my parents get to see me play live. That means two things. One, they don't tour often. And two, her parents did not come out to see <laughs> I on the parents. I don't blame them one bit on that one. <laughs> oh. But yes. but yeah, tell me about the other triangle then. So we thought it was those three bands that you just mentioned. What it did actually end up being is kind of the defining bands of this set or of this new era is Knocked Loose, Code Orange, and Counterparts. Counterparts again? <laughs> yeah, well, you know. I feel, know. Like, well, I feel like every time they drop an album, everybody's like, no, this is what proper metalcore should be, my friend. <laughs> well, yeah, but I was going to put Varials there, but after Trav left... I don't know, but definitely, I think there's no doubting Knocked Loose and Code Orange. No, and the fact that Knocked Loose maintained that momentum and grew it yeah. after Laugh Tracks, insanity, because that was one of the, what do we do, seven or ten decade-defining albums yeah. we put out there? Mm-hmm. That's insane. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's fucking insanity. And we put a Beartooth album on there. <laughs> Where are they now? Probably in Columbus. <laughs> I mean, they I mean shit. I don't know, I man. I, 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 yeah, because I don't think he doesn't stop touring. He doesn't stay in Columbus. I think he wouldn't surprise me if he had houses in every other city except Columbus. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> he just says, fuck, fuck Beartooth, Ohio. <laughs> exactly. So, but, yeah, it's kind of a yeah. weird conversation because I, I think when I first heard Nonclus, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're really good and I'm sure they'll be great. But I thought there was definitely a lower ceiling to them. And you know, they broke through that shit like fucking Willy Wonka's elevator. I thought, um, I don't want to say along the same lines, but roughly in the same ballpark, I thought Knocked Loose was going to be the band that always sells out the small venues mm-hmm. that like whenever they come to town, if you're a core kid and you're in the scene, you're going to go to that show. And I thought that they were going to do things like Cobra Lounge, uh, Sub T, you know, Beat Kitchen and though like tear those venues mm-hmm. to the fucking ground. Yep. Guaranteed every single time they came through your city. Agreed. But they've done venues three, four times the mm-hmm. size. It's and weird. that is shout out to those guys. Yeah. Very, very weird. So 
Yeah, man, that is it. That is okay. Better. Really, really quick. One last thing. Sure. Okay, so I have a Karma, a Dare, a Piazza, and a Year of the Knife set coming out on Friday. Okay. In addition to this new publication I'm a part of, mm-hmm. which you will see on Friday because mm-hmm. we will be tweeting about it. Nice. Um. Also, there is this thing called the Curse. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now let me tell you about the Curse. So, as you know, I take Goose along. Our Goose, not every time I die is Goose. Um. <laughs> I take Argus with me as a, as a backup cameraman, right? Yep. My favorite thing about the curse is that he doesn't know any of these bands going in mm-hmm. period, mm-hmm. right? Like no matter the situation, the scenario, he doesn't know any of these bands and mm-hmm. he, he hasn't been like, Hey, I kind of like this band. I think they would fit like your channel. Like, do you want to ask them? You know, he mm-hmm. hasn't hit me with that yet, mm-hmm. but after the show at the beat kitchen, this dude very regularly now he listens to Year of the Knife. And I'm, I just laugh because you and I ruin all of our friends. We do. We do. We corrupt them. My, I, I don't know if I mentioned this on the pod before, but my, my favorite thing is when I started talking to your friends, they're like, oh, you like every time I die too? I'm like, bitch, I showed Gabe every time I die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, funny it's, shit. it's kind of funny. It's yeah. like, oh, um, God, there was another conversation we've had that. I think somebody was like, oh, man, I wish I would have gotten to see them when they were still together. And you just went, yeah, I, I've seen them probably a dozen times. Like, <laughs> just walk past their set at Warped Tour and be like, okay, yeah, let's hang out. I've yeah, seen these before. For but sure. For sure. I just think it's so funny. Yeah, they forget that I'm an OG, man. They forget. Yeah. Uh, but there's that. And uh, so, yeah, you got a bunch of stuff in, uh, going on, which I appreciate. But I, I know everybody who has been a semi-regular listener to this podcast is going to laugh. But I promise you there will be a show next week because I actually have two concerts that I have to go to. Uh, And those are? On Saturday, I am seeing Motionless and White Ice Nine Kills. I am not going to include the third band on that billing because I am not going to see them. Even if they're playing, I promise. Like, because they're rotating. The the FIR band? No. It's uh actually that's a, not a bad guess. Uh Blackfield Brides is the third. Um uh, and I'm really really hoping that they headline so I can fucking leave. Uh <laughs> but uh I'm going to see them on Saturday and on the total other end of the spectrum because they're playing the Aragon on the other end of the spectrum on Monday which is going to be a weird fucking day to see a show cuz I don't think I've ever I probably have but it's been a while. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum I got Code Orange and Dying Wish with Loathe. At the bottom lounge. That's going to be a good one. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I think there's tickets still available, so if you're interested, feel free. Yeah, I might, I'd have to. I like all of those bands quite, yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, so, um, yeah, if you're going to do that, let me know. Um, and I'm going to see them on Monday, so I'm going to have two relatively eventful shows to go see um, over the next couple of days, and I do want to talk about them. Uh, I have the Harry Potter game that I want to talk about. We do have stuff to talk about. So uh, we just had an hour long talk about Batman and a 40 minute talk about music. And that's kind of typical for the pod, but shit. And I will be at heart attack man on Saturday, Sunday. Mm -hmm. So if you're there, come say hello. And then Monday I'll be shooting some behind the scenes footage of some artists that I cannot disclose at this time. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So a lot of cool stuff coming on the second city kids podcast. Definitely, you know, join us next time. Cause I, like I said, I promise you, I'm not going to say we're doing a show next week and then disappear for two months like we just did. So, uh, you know, give me a fucking break. But so, yeah, that's uh, that's part of the plan. Thank you guys for checking out this episode of the Second Skitty Kids podcast. This was episode 177. 77. And we'll see you back for 178. And 178. And it's going to be uh, going to be a good time. So until then, you guys know the deal. Comments, questions, concerns. 
You know the deal. Next time, deuces.